Welcome again to Songs You Should Know. I'm Jimbo. I'm the Mixter. And this is episode number 13. And uh, no secret meanings behind that, because this was pre-planned. It wasn't meant to be. But uh, this is featuring the music of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. We're coming to you from the Songs You Should Know World Headquarters, located in a secret bunker in central Minnesota, and from our satellite office in Branson, Missouri. We can't tell you exactly where the world headquarters is located in central Minnesota for security reasons, namely because we have a huge, priceless vault of classic music. But we can tell you that you can see Lake Wobegon from here. Yes, even with the construction of the new vault. Yes, they are, they are finishing up and they have put down a lot of plastic and they're trying to keep a lot of the dust out of the recording area here, but, uh, and I, I sent them off for a long lunch, but, um, yeah. So it's hard to tell where to begin here because, you know, I started writing this episode or putting some notes together for this episode on September 27th, 2017. And I just figured it was time to do a Tom Petty episode. You know, Tom Petty had been a lifelong hero of mine. I was 14 years old when I first heard Tom, right when when his first stuff came out. And um, a roller I had rink. heard like, <laughs> yes, I had heard Breakdown, Breakdown while roller skating. Actually, I was playing the pinball machines at the roller rink. And I heard Breakdown and I'm like, who's this Hispanic band? <laughs> because of, you know, the, his, his, his vocal styling on Breakdown is like, Go ahead and give it to me. And it was like, oh, he's there's the guy with an accent. And I'm like, that's cool. That's a Hispanic band doing this thing. But no, it wasn't. It was Tom Petty. And um, I was a kid, you know. And um, and I, <laughs> I figured it was time for us to do a Tom Petty episode. They had just finished their 40th anniversary tour. And Tom had said, well, I'm a grandpa now. And I really don't want to, you know, spend the rest of my life on the road. And, you know, five days later, he passes away. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, like I said, after the last episode we did, you know, you said, what should we do? And I'm like, you know, let's, you know, what about Tom? And and uh, he had just finished that 40th anniversary tour, and, and I know his sound guy fairly well. And so they knew that it was going to be, you know, the end of, uh, you know, that the huge tour. The major, yeah. the major touring time, yeah, and that he had done, and and then you had texted me because you were writing notes, and you texted me, and you can kind of go into the hoax because there had been hoaxes before about his death, and well, as there have been for many famous people, but there was even in back in the Geo Cities days. Do you know what Geo Cities was? Uh, no. It was this 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 way of hosting web pages very early on, you know. And uh, there was an there was an entire you know set of web pages devoted to Tom Petty is dead, and that was back years ago, years and years ago. And so I thought, well, this is just another Tom Petty is dead hoax. That's I was quite sure of it. And the the way things came out in the media, <laughs> with God bless the media, <laughs> you guys. Well, suck. there was. 
you know, it, but I mean, you know, obviously there were a lot of things going on with the tragedy in Las Vegas and everything else going on. But I still, I still thought in the news crawl, you know, at the bottom of the of of the news pages that there would be something about, you know, reports of Tom Petty's death, and there really wasn't, and and so I was like, well, there's nothing is adding up here. This is another hoax, and it just turned out that people really kept it that quiet in the midst of all this, you know, everything else going on, and um, and then sadly, you know. You know, that night it was confirmed. Yeah. So. So I got to see uh, TP live a couple of times. Now, I know that you worked with, you know, shows as well. But one one of the greatest times I got to be in a box suite at Target Center in, in Minneapolis yeah. and uh, got to watch from there. I think the Smithereens opened. That was pretty really? cool, too. See, no, that's, that's yep. pretty cool, too. <clears throat> And um, and then I know that you've talked about seeing them at the gorge or working uh, delayed yeah, speakers you know, at the gorge. That was, uh, and we talked we talked about them in our in our uh, well one of our most recent shows about uh, Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker. Yeah, because uh, you know Joe was opening. I believe it was like in two thousand, probably thirteen, or uh, I'm sorry, probably two thousand ten or eleven. And. Uh, Joe was opening and it was, it was just so cool because it was probably two or three nights. And so I got that, you know, go hang and they were all hanging out. And, but it was just cool to see the band and even Tom hang outside stage and watch them watch Joe Cocker. I mean, you know, here's guys that are, <laughs> you know, just great themselves and watch their idol, Joe Cocker, just, you know, put on a magnificent show. And it, it was, was funny because, uh, to this day, I remember like Mike Campbell and even Tom, their uh, girlfriends and or wives at the time, uh, probably a little bit younger than than themselves, just, you know, stand there with their better halves, watch, watch them watch Joe Cocker and just watch them be kids. And it was, it was just so cool, you know, because you're like, that's what it's about. I mean, that's, I mean, it's like, that's what it's about. Sure. Did you ever do any other Tom Petty shows? I did or? Tom in uh, Pensacola, and so I'll, uh, this would have been 90, 95. So Stan Lynch had just been let go, the drummer, and so uh, Steve Baroni, was, uh, this was his first tour. And so it was probably April or May in, in Pensacola, Florida, and it was fairly warm out, and it was, uh, I had a call on the radio. I was the operations manager at the facility and um that the uh air w was out in his dressing room so i you know i ran back on there and tom's coming out and so this is tom <laughs> this is tom's sense of humor this is will probably stay with me because it's, it's probably my only conversation with tom <laughs> so i run in there and it's like you know it's like 90 degrees outside and it's about 100 degrees inside the uh dressing room because the air's not working. And so I run in there and he's walking out with his wife at the time. And, um, you know, I said, I said, Tom, I'm working on the, on the air. And he goes, man, it's too cool in there. It's cold. I'm going back to my bus. 
<laughs> I'm like, okay. So he's got a sense of humor because, dude, I was sweating. It had to be 100 degrees in there. He come out, you know, with his jean jacket and he was, but he wasn't even sweating, but he was just, but he was just so relaxed and he's like, dude, I'm going back to my bus. It's too cold in there. So I said, <laughs> well, he's a, he's right, a Florida so boy. He's, yeah. He's used to it. So, but he didn't even, he didn't even break a smile or a sweat, but, um, so I figured he was kind of screwing with me, but <laughs> But oh, uh, but he was you know, he just kept walking so yeah that was that's fun. cool you had a brush with yeah, uh, that theme well if you're <laughs> if you're the superstitious type this is episode number thirteen <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and I had even thought that maybe maybe you and I should do something else first not make this the thirteenth episode but this is what we had started to write out before all this happened. And uh, Tom's gone. I'm not the superstitious type. So I thought maybe we should just press forward and do what we plan to do, except that now it's a tribute. Sure. In addition to being a celebration of an artist who has been so much a part of the soundtrack right. to our lives. Here we go. So there's American Girl, Refugee, and Free Fallen. We're going to talk about those songs and more during this episode. And we're just going to let it ride and, and work it all out. There's a bunch of other, other clips I'm going to throw in here, and I wish I could throw in more. But, um, I mean, Petty has sold more than 80 million records worldwide. One of the best-selling music artists of all time. And as of 2002, was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, you know, it was a major part of the soundtrack of our lives and of many people's lives. And I think Tom was one of those guys that actually appreciated that, that knew that people get married to his songs. You know, that that it's part of that well, soundtrack. And that's how he wrote them. I mean, you know, he that's that was his whole thing is that he 
I mean, he he tells stories, and that's and that's what he said. He goes, "I tell stories." I listened to a an interview with uh, Campbell, Mike Campbell, talking about how s- Tom Petty could simplify things. You know, very simple lyrics, very simple chords. It was Forrest Gump, and, and <laughs> if you could, well, but I mean, but, right, well, he, but he if made you could, it so we could understand it, and we being the the majority of and of the population, right? And Mike Campbell's like, I'm still trying to do that. I I can't do that. He was the guy that could could narrow it all down to that, you know. Now, when he was ten years old, he had an uncle. So so here's Tom in Florida. He had an uncle who worked on the set of an Elvis Presley movie called Follow That Dream, which nobody remembers because there's no reason to remember it. But but uh, Elvis Presley was there, and so his uncle took him on the set. So here's Tom, 10 years old. And uh, he takes him on the set, and, and uh, Tom got to meet Elvis Presley. And he said that that was... That was the initiation into his interest in rock and roll and probably changed the course of his life was meeting Elvis and um, becoming totally enamored with rock and roll. And piece of trivia, you've got to know this. Who was his, one of his first guitar teachers? I read my notes. I didn't know this. You you know, but (laughs) John, I mean, Okay, so let's think about this. And I did know that he was a, a Floridian, I think, too, right? Don Felder from the yep, Eagles. Yep. So Tom Petty takes guitar lessons from Don Felder. <laughs> so. Yes, Don Felder from the Eagles. And so there they are in Gainesville. And a young Tom Petty is taking guitar lessons from Don Felder. How... How is it possible that here are two rock and roll Hall of Fame bands and at a very young age, one guy is giving another guy guitar lessons? Like, yeah, mom, drop me off at the at the mall because I have to have yeah. my guitar lesson today. <laughs> so Petty started a band called uh, The Epics when he was pretty young, and that evolved into Mudcrutch which, um, you know, they were together very early and then it was the Heartbreakers forever and then Tom Petty doing solo stuff and the Heartbreakers again. And then Mudcrutch got back together again and did some more stuff. But Mudcrutch also featured uh, Mike Campbell and Ben Montench. Um, yeah, and they were pretty popular around Gainesville. Um, and they re- released a single in 1975 called Depot Street, but they never quite got a big audience. And then after that, I think uh, they all moved out to California. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not sure. And then I'm not sure yeah, because, you know, I mean, you know, Tom calls himself a, uh, a Florida transplant and, and he called LA home and, or, you know, uh, California home. And I'm not sure how that transitioned, but yeah. So he, he went to LA or, you know, to California and, and uh, yeah. I mean, he's, it's so funny because I mean, well, go ahead. I mean, he he, it, it is so cool that he 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 brought those roots, and I think he brought that uh, that feeling in that sediment to L.A. 
but he loved L.A. I mean, he he calls himself a you know a, a transplant. He that's where he lived and died was in you know Malibu. So in Malibu, yeah. I mean, I mean, pretty much transplanted himself there. Now, in later on in two thousand five, we're talking you know a dozen years ago. He began hosting his own show called Buried Treasure on XM Satellite Radio. And you've told me that you've heard yes. this before because I have so not heard it. Uh, you know, I mean, you can believe in fate or whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, like uh, three months ago, uh, Sirius sends me a letter saying y- you can uh, have three months free and then you can rejoin for $5 a month. So I did that. And of course, I listened to Tom Petty Radio before he passed. And of course, now I, I listen to Tom Petty radio all the time <laughs> but uh but uh Barry Treasure is and it's his show and and he talks about his um his influences and so he plays you know cuts that of uh artists that influenced him and it's but it's just so Tom he's just so <laughs> he's so Tom <laughs> well it, yeah and digging through stuff I saw that there are two or three songs that he released exclusively off of Sirius that that were Tom Petty songs that hadn't ever been released anywhere else. So, of course, I did. <laughs> I don't have access to Sirius, and we don't have that stuff in the vault, so no. I didn't pull that up. But, uh, um, did you see the uh, Super yeah, Bowl so Forty Two halftime show? Two thousand eight, and uh, you know, there again. Besides the, yeah, you know, and we talked about this. Besides the Stones and Prince, there again, just a great, great rock and roll show. <laughs> so. Well, I think one of the cool things was that um, Tom Petty knew what his job was. It was to play the cool <laughs> stuff that he does. And that's what he did. And he did it straightforward. And the Heartbreakers did it straightforward. And, and Mike Campbell was just, you know, doing his stuff. And it was like, it was a straightforward rock and roll show. Political. It wasn't meant to be, you know. Yep. No, it was just. And, the, you know, the funny thing is, is that Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers came out of the whole the time period of punk and lots of, you know, controversy about what should we be saying about society and this and that. And they, they sort of come out of the punk scene, but Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers sort of sit off on their own island over here, doing what they do and not, I don't know, they weren't part of a movement you know, unless that movement is just, you know, Americana, you know, the the whole Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, John Mellencamp, you know, Creedence Clearwater. I'm just trying to yeah, think of, not, you know, what right, if you had to put these guys no, in, uh, into some kind interesting of category. Listen, you know, listening to uh, Tom Petty Radio, it, it's the same thing because I'm trying to think if it was Dave Grohl or, you know, somebody said, you know, the time period that, that Tom and, and the Heartbreakers came out – they were actually kind of classified as, you know, punk or new wave, and they weren't that. But, you know, if you go back now and you listen to, you know, uh, comments or quotes by, you know, Bob Dylan or, you know, uh, uh, established guys or people or artists, and they say he, they say Tom is, is that essential, uh, rock and roll cowboy that stated exactly what he wanted to say. And so that I kind of ag- agree with. He's like that country rebel that just stated what he 
how we felt. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, and so that's what kind of set them apart from that rock and roll or, you know, in, in the uh, late seventies, that punk movement. Cause they, they weren't punk, <laughs> you know, no, not no. at all. And they weren't not an attitude or anything, you know, they weren't really rebellion or, or, you know, against anything except, you know, le- you know, later, I mean, and we'll talk about his, <clears throat> you know, his battle oh, yeah. with the, no, he had <laughs> some attitudes. we'll say battles with the record companies and, but what he thought was right. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to head into American Girl and talk about yes, that sir. in a little more detail. Classic song, and it was Isn't never a funny? hit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it was released, and then it was released again. You know, after uh, uh, appearing on a soundtrack in like 1994 or something. But um, it was, it was, it was never a big, huge hit. And yet, he closed out his first album with that, and uh, it became the signature Tom Petty song. You know, just an absolute classic. And that came from their self-titled debut of them in 1976. And and it was just called Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers? Is that what? Yep, it was just self-titled. It was just Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And um, it also included Breakdown, which they released. And it didn't, Breakdown didn't didn't chart it at all initially. Although it did chart, it, it did chart in the UK. And later on, American Girl shuttered in the UK. But um, uh, yeah, they were like, eh, can't do anything. And I, I remember uh, anything that's rock and roll off that no, album. Was, do you have that album anywhere? Because I, I think you, I have it around. Yeah, I think you have it. it in it's the in the vault, vault someplace. I think you have that. So. Yeah. Anything that's rock and roll is fine. Um, so tell me about the musicians, yeah, this is, because this, this is, is the core that yeah, will so this follow is the core that went for, Tom you know, 40 forever. years, I mean, basically, and they kind of separated and came back. But so, so Tom Petty's on rhythm guitar, uh, in unison with Mike Campbell in, uh, lead vocals, Mike Campbell, of course, uh, lead guitar, rhythm guitar played, uh, in unison with, with Tom. Oh, Ben, Mont, oh, Ben, Ben's playing, uh, the piano and the Hammond organ, Ron Blair, is playing bass. Stan Lynch is on drums, and Phil Seymour, who I'm not familiar with, honestly, is is on uh, backing vocals. Yep. Okay. He was he was from the early days there. So yeah, American Girl hits number forty on the UK singles chart. It doesn't actually hit any US chart until 1994. So and it comes up on. Bill Ward had a chart called the Bubbling Under chart, which I don't even know what that means. But, you know, songs that 
that are on soundtracks and they're they're getting some you know in, interest, but uh, so it, it gets up to it gets up to number nine on that chart. But uh, I don't think that chart exists anymore. I don't think it existed for very long. But um, so <laughs> it hits number nine on that. But it really American Girl, which became so identify with Tom Petty, really wasn't ever what you would call a radio hit. So we get into the lyrics and uh, you hear about uh, a desperate girl on a balcony hearing cars roll by out in 441. And there was a rumor, and the rumor keeps getting perpetuated, that this song was about a college student who committed suicide by jumping from the Beatty Towers residence. Uh, the residence hall at the University of Florida in Gainesville. And uh, when people would ask Tom Petty about this, he would say, that's an <laughs> urban legend. That's not. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, be, it's become a huge urban myth down. It's become a huge myth down in Florida. It's just not true. The song has nothing to do with that, but that story really gets around. And, um, They've really got the whole story. I've even seen magazine articles about that story. Is it true or isn't it true? They could have just called me yeah. and found just out me. it wasn't true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, being a California transplant, he said, no, I, I wrote the song Living in California. And I was living in an apartment where I was right up, right by the freeway and the cars would go by in Encino near Leon Russell's house. And I remember thinking that that sounded like the ocean to me. So the cars rolling by sounded like the ocean, like waves crashing on the beach. So that was my ocean, my Malibu. When I heard the waves crash, it was just the cars going by. <laughs> I think that must have inspired the lyric. <laughs> it <was> like, see? <laughs> Silly people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So the song has been covered a million times, and I've got a spring right, I'm ready here. I think. Because, okay, because this is going to sound at first, I'm going to have to let it play for a little bit, because it's going to sound it's at not. first like it's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Apparently. But it's not. And then you're going to have to hear the singer come in, and then you're going to have to figure out... Okay. Who is doing this song? Okay. You ready?
you're right. I mean, that, that, that sounds is? just like the whole tracks and he's singing over to it. I, it's going to be wrong. And the only thing that comes to my mind <clears throat> is, is cheap trick. <laughs> That's close. I mean, it's an interesting idea. What's another, uh, another eighties band that became very well known for highly produced, taking Def years Leopard. to put out <laughs> albums. Are you serious? That's Def Leppard. Really? It is Def Leppard. Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, did, so Mutt must seriously have produced that Def then, because that. I don't know. They they put it together really? on an album full of tracks that they so had re so you know Joe, cover a uh, cover track. So yes, that is so Def Leppard. Really. That's Joe Elliott. Yes. Really? <laughs> wow. Yes. See, well, <laughs> you are you are smarter than you know. And that gets me exactly <laughs> zero money. <laughs> you pulled it out. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, Chief Trick could pull a mean that, version Joe of that song off too. Wow, that's um, <laughs> yes. Yep. And they 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 just so totally were faithful no, that, that, to the uh, that sound of the line, song. That bass no, he, but he you, can't hit that. But, but that Joe bass line w w was totally. I, I thought it was you know it sounded like the track, and then he's just singing over it. But um, he can't do that now. <laughs> Sorry, Joe, but second person. But we've all got no. I get it. Anyway, but no, they did it. So what, what, was so, that on a Def Leppard uh, album or a? They did a they did a compilation of of covers of a bunch of different stuff, yeah. And I, and I don't have it in front of me right now, but uh, no, uh, that was Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty proud of myself that I got it on the second try. But I mean, <laughs> all right, <coughs> I am I am dang proud of you. Um, all right, so um, so according to Tom Absolutely. Petty, the Strokes, you remember the Strokes. Yes, they admitted to taking the riff for their 2001 single Last Night from this song. They admitted it. And uh, in 2006, Tom Petty was interviewed by Rolling Stone, and he said, The Strokes took American Girl. And I saw an interview with them where they actually admitted it, and that made me laugh out loud. I was like, okay, good for you. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> And the Strokes, the Strokes had played, or they they did end up playing as an opening act for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers uh, during their 2006 tour. And I did have to pull. You know, you can hear the influence, but it's like, I think that most things are influenced agree, by something yeah. else. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know? So it's like, it's not a ripoff of American Girl, but it's like, oh, that inspired the whole idea to, to do that kind of intro to a, a thing. But then they go off on their own stuff, and it's like, that's cool. That, <laughs> no worries about that. <laughs> so I think I can see why Tom Petty laughed okay. about it. <laughs> yeah, he's like... <laughs> <laughs> And of course, you know, over the years, Tom Petty was always compared to uh, Dylan. He was compared to Roger McGuinn from The Birds, you know, compared to a a number of different singers. And um, and so (laughs) Roger McGuinn, in 1977, put out uh, uh, an LP called Thunderbird, B-Y-R-D at the end. And the similarity between Petty's record and his musical style was so strong that when his his manager first played American Girl for him, McGuinn wondered, (laughs) (laughs) when did I write that song? But does he sound yeah, that's like Roger McGuinn or, or, from the birds? You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> okay. Or does, or does, or does Tom sound like him? Because Roger's older, I guess. <laughs> you okay, know, I mean, Roger yeah, came, Roger, Roger came first, you know, but it's like, obviously, you know, but you can see somebody like Roger yeah. listening to it going, was it? Wow, was when it did good? I do that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when did I record that? Yeah, it's like, you know, Spagoli, <laughs> when does he get a job? <laughs> Why, dude? <laughs> <laughs> so, they, you know, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers yeah. actually cut Apparently. the song, supposedly, <laughs> yeah. the, the legend says, they cut the song on the 4th of, on the 4th of July, which would make, you know, American Girl have more significance. But um, I do remember that featured uh, in Silence of the Lambs. Actually, yep. So right, right before he, he he sees her in in the van. Yep, yep and he yep. Buffalo Bill. Yep, yep. Buffalo Bill is yep. uh, closing in on a female victim. But uh, and you know the other piece of trivia here, and, and something that I posted online is that. This was actually the the last song that Tom Petty performed live at his final show. Final show, and uh, it's actually the final song on his first album, which is a weird kind of, okay, weird kind of coincidence that his last song in his first album is the last song he plays in his final tour. And here we are writing notes for a show on him, and it's our 13th show and I don't believe in coincidence, you know, that kind of coincidence, but uh, it's just kind of weird. But um, so, so yeah, the, at the Hollywood Bowl, this is the last song that uh, Tom Petty played. 
And a week later, he died at UCLA Santa Monica Hospital and had total cardiac arrest. And, and uh, I mean, he was a heavy smoker and stuff. Yeah. I understand. You that. know, and, and not, uh, you know, shed light or, you know, it's not a conspiracy theory. But, but so apparently, you know, his wife found him. And uh, I, 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 I believe this is that. I think because there were so many rumors and stuff. So he wasn't, you know, he was barely breathing. So they got him a life support. They got the family there, but he did have a do not resuscitate. So I believe that's why they took him off life support because, you know, in, in his papers, he said, look, if this happens, then, you know, do not resuscitate. So they took him off and nature took its course. And so, Oh yeah, well, and, right. and so they. Yeah, no, I mean that. Those were I his think wishes. At, you know, and, at first, I mean, because she said he was barely. I mean, there was a nine one one call from her, and he was barely breathing. So they, you know, they of course, you know, went to measures to try and save him. But I think at that point, it was correct. Well, and so they, supposedly, you know, they, there like, was no brain activity go. recorded. So yeah, yeah. Um, before we slide out of this episode or this uh, section of the episode into the first break, the, the the second album that came out was "You're Gonna Get It," and um, and there's a song on there called "Listen to Your uh, Listen to Her Heart," and I remember reading a, I couldn't find it online, but I remember reading a review at the time that said, "If you can't hear Listen to Her Heart, you can't hear." And uh, so I, I just want to slide out of <laughs> into the first uh, little break well, in, that we're going to take in, with, a little, with a little bit of uh, listen to her heart. You thought and, I was going to slide uh, right out on you. Well, well before we slide out, <laughs> before we slide we're out, still, we're still on. For some still reason, on before we slide out, I actually thought that was his first album. For some reason, I actually thought you're going to get it was his first album. So that's all I have. It was the first one that I bought. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs>
I remember hearing that song for the first time thinking that is the most ferocious, badass thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I would agree because I think when you played that at home, I listened to it and I'm like, well, that's cool. <laughs> no, man, I to me that was, you know, you know, it you know, the the album comes out in January of 1980. Well, actually the single came out single. in 1980. I I think the uh, album probably was released in late 1979, right? But, yeah. uh, but but um and I man. you know that's a good point because if if you listen to that opening, you know, riff or just uh, you know, beginning, I think to me that's why they got classified into the punk era because it's it is very edgy, but it's very cool. So it's just it's very it's different. It's very edgy. It's edgy, but it's also very accomplished, which punk wasn't necessarily. No, it's. I, I was into the clash. At the Absolutely, you, you. Yeah. I mean, you got me in, in, into the clash. You know, uh, the Ramones, uh, mm-hmm. Boomtown Rats. But yeah, that this is so very defined, very smooth. So, yep. No, it was very. Uh, it was a awesome time. So it's the second single off of "Damn the Torpedoes." And we'll talk in a minute about what the first one was, because the first one did better. Really? But, uh, yes. Really? But, uh, <laughs> re- yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I'm going to tell you in a second here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the print doesn't lie. Really? <laughs> wow. So this is, this is their, uh, their third album. In 1979, they release it, uh, very late 1979. And so Petty's recording contract was assigned to MCA when his distributor, ABC Records, was sold to MCA. And Petty contended that his contract could not be assigned to another record company without his permission and was therefore voided. MCA responded by suing Petty for breach of contract. And... (laughs) <laughs> that prompted Tom Petty to de- declare bankruptcy as a tactic to avoid his contract with MCA. So here's a guy about to release the biggest album of his career. Which he didn't and know. He, <laughs> he didn't know at the time, but he believed well, he so knew. much in what he was doing. But he's like, sure. he's like, okay, we're going to declare bankruptcy. That's That takes some chutzpah. That takes some... Uh... <laughs> That takes some uh, Rocky so, Mountain oysters. Yep, that's for sure. So the the con uh, the the matter was settled with Petty signing a new recording contract with Backstreet Records, an MCA subsidiary label, and the the album was co-produced by Jimmy Iovine. Jimmy Iovine. And it was recorded at Sound City Studios in Van Nuys and uh, Cherokee Studios in Hollywood. And, of course, the title is a, f- a reference to a famous quote by Admiral David Farragut. Damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. Love you, Tom. <laughs> but but it was perfect for this record. I mean. Oh, yeah. No, it was like, okay. We're, we're you know, we're kicking off from here. And um, I, I love, Mike Campbell talked about this this record and um, 
he basically wrote the music for the track and then Tom Petty wrote the words. But uh, uh, Campbell said that record, that was a hard record to make. It was a four track that I made at my house. Tom wrote over the music as it was, no changes, but it took us forever to actually cut the track. We just had a hard time getting the feel right. We must have recorded that a hundred times. I remember being so frustrated with it one day that, and I think this is the only time ever I did this, I just left the studio and went out of town for two days. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) (laughs) I just couldn't take the pressure anymore, but then I came back and we regrouped and we were actually able to get it down to tape. And, of course, the musicians are... Uh, Tom Petty, lead vocals, rhythm guitar. Uh, Mike Mike Campbell on lead guitar. Bent Mont, Tench on keyboards and backing vocals. Stan Lynch on drums and uh, backing vocals as well. And, of course, Ron Blair was still there at this time on, on uh, bass. Right. So, yeah, the song peaks at number 15 on the Billboard Hot 100. So, Refugee gets up to number 15. And now I can tell you, what what was the first single off the album? Oh. (laughs) It would have been the other one. (laughs) it 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 was Don't Do Me Like That. And Don't Do Me Like That made it up to number 10. So, really? Yep. The first single off the album was Don't Do Me Like That. It made it up number 10. Refugee didn't get up as okay, high. Okay, well, <clears throat> we didn't, uh, we can cut this out, but we didn't talk about Don't Do Me Like That. Is there a, is there a reference to what that song's about? Don't Do Me Like That? No. Not that yeah. I have. Go no, ahead. No. You I know mean, something? I'm just, I'm, no, I'm no. no. <laughs> I know nothing. I clean up, okay? You know, <laughs> you know, I'm not. You know, I'm not going to cut this oh, off. No. So. I'm just, you know, because <laughs> because I mean, and and we'll get into this later. Tom is just so good, or was so good at just you know making you so believable in the time or what he's talking about. So don't do me like that. It's like okay, so he's been hurt. So what's he talking about? Well, he he has said over over time he, in interviews that a lot of the characters of these songs, a lot of the main you know voices, are conglomerations of a lot of different things, and I think that's what most artists do is they just sort right. of assimilate. But he has that. But he has of, that ability to <laughs> bring that to the masses. See, see what I'm saying? I mean, because because we can all re- relate to being, you know, brokenhearted for the first time or for the fifth time or for, you know, I mean, whatever time it is. But So this album goes on to reach number two. Number two. Guess what <laughs> kept it out of the number one slot? Well, if I wouldn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could it but, could have been something bad, but it wasn't. No, it, it was Pink Floyd. <laughs> it was it was the Wall. So, okay, that's not bad. <laughs> so, I mean, so, okay, right. I was I was number two to the Wall. So okay, all right, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So yes, it eventually ranked at number 13, 313 on the Rolling Stone Greatest Five Hundred Albums of All Time. 
And it was their first top 10 album. And it was my first really big introduction to Tom Petty. And yeah, I'm pretty I, sure that I, I went back and bought the first two albums after this, even though I had heard the songs out there and roller skated yes. to them, et cetera. I would agree because I uh, looked at your collection. So, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, we'll say yes. And so, lyrical meaning, which we kind of talked about. Uh, so, Tom says, this was a reaction, you know, to the pressures of, of the music business. And he goes, I wound up uh, in a huge uh, row with the music company with uh, when ABC Records tried to sell our contract to MCA uh, without knowing about it, uh, despite the clause in our contract that said that they didn't have the right to do that. You know, so he was angry and about the whole system. And he said, you know, I think that had a lot to do with the tone of uh, Damn the Torpedo. So that that has that punk feel to it because he was he was mad. <laughs> so, but he's oh, yeah. 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 You know, but he said uh, I was in a, a defiant mood. <laughs> so he goes, you know, I find that's, uh, you know, true a lot. It, it, it takes uh Sometime, usually before you fully understand what's happening, uh, before you fully understand what's going on in a song, or maybe it's, you know, what led up to it. So, Right. So, in 2011, Tom Petty was on Twitter. Have you been on Twitter? Sir? Uh, well, Mick, I lost you. Now I'm back. So. Oh, yeah, yep. So. All right, we might cut. We might cut that short. Have you been on Twitter? Uh, no. <laughs> you know, I keep trying to catch the Twitter bug, but uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. It just right. it just doesn't just doesn't happen <clears throat> for me. It's like you know, it's hard enough for me to do Facebook and email and right. everything else, and and I I live on the computer. Right. So you know, I'm, I'm with mean, you. I, I mean, really you know, Facebook. Like, I'm like, eh, and then like you know, Twitter, or uh, what's the? I am on. Oh man, Snapchat or something, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Snapchat, Instagram, Instagram. something, I, whatever. Sure. I have no <laughs> idea. So you know, I have people for that. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. Uh, no, <laughs> I wish I had somebody for that. I wish half our congressmen had oh, people. Oh gosh, we wish we had. Well, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, we can't talk so about Twitter Tom, and the president Tom, in the same sentence. So let's. Uh, whoo, whoo. So, so Tom Petty in December 2011 did a uh, um, a Twitter Q and A, and um, he disclosed that Melissa Etheridge doing "Refugee" was the best cover of the song he ever heard. And so that was recorded for her 2005 album, Greatest Hits, The Road Less Traveled. And yes, I have it. Of course we do. <laughs> <laughs> we got something, we both know it. We don't talk too much about it. Ain't no real big secret all the same. Somehow we get around it. Oh, listen, 
to take a break? I am. (laughs) Well, let's do that. Yeah, that was a solo song, <laughs> quote unquote yeah. solo. <clears throat> that was Tom Petty, minus, well, actually Stan Lynch. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> well, supposedly minus the Heartbreakers. That was that was a quote unquote Tom Petty album. So yeah, his first, um, it's the opening track from Full Moon Fever in 1989. And this is where he starts to really work with Jeff Lynn, who is from which band? Electric Light Orchestra. ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. And and Jeff Lynn is, he's another one of my heroes. Well, he's just a great, yeah. Just a great sound guy. And then Lynn plays, you know, backing vocals, bass guitar. And so they sit down, and in two days, they put together this song. And Jeff Lynn always liked to work from beginning to end on a single song. And so in two days, they put the song together, and they put all the tracks down, everything. Yeah, two days. Two days. And that's the first... That, Think about this. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the first song for Full Moon Fever. And then he's like, okay, what's the next song? <laughs> yeah. And... Um, so he's like, you know, Jeff Lynn is just a, a machine that, that moves from song to song. So according to the liner, liner notes in Petty's playback box set, which I don't have and I wish I did, he and, he and Jeff Lynn were playing some kind of elaborate stuff on the keyboard that would just start out with three simple chords and that would go into something more complicated and then Jeff Lynn said, let's just stop all the hard stuff and just sing some words to those three chords. And so Tom Petty came up with, she's a good girl, loves her mama, just to make Jeff smile. And they kept going <laughs> from there. It's crazy about Elvis. <laughs> yeah. Because, because yeah. the song makes no sense. And so, <laughs> so I mean... No. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. But, but you know, there's always there there's always something to be reading meaning right. into, but, I mean, you know, songs and stuff and, and not having no, everything and, spelled and, and this out. isn't scripted either. So I mean, you know, think about that song which is, you know, it's it's a simple three-chord song, but watch the video which all of us probably have. 
But he introduces, so think, this is like, what, 1989? He introduces vampires. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, it's like, and it's like, but, you know, I mean, you know, think about it, because now vampires is the whole, you know, meaning to all TV shows. <laughs> but, but, you know. So Mike Campbell, Mike Campbell said when we did that first record with Jeff Lynn, Full Moon Fever, it was an amazing time for me because it was mostly just the three of us. So it was basically Mike Campbell, Tom Petty, and Jeff Lynn working together and working at, working at Mike's house. And he, he said that Jeff Lynn is an amazing record maker. It was so exciting for a lot of reasons. First of all, our band energy in the studio had gotten into kind of a rut. We were having some issues with our drummer and just kind of at the end of our rope in terms of inspiration, having a lot of trouble cutting tracks in the studio. And so the project came along, and really we were just doing it for fun at the beginning. But Jeff would come in, and every day he would blow my mind. It was so exciting to have him and Tom come over and go, okay, here's the song. And then Jeff would just go, he would just go. I'd never seen this done before. He'd say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Put a drum machine down. Now put up a mic. Now we're going to do some acoustic guitars. Put up another mic. We're going to do a keyboard. Okay, here's an idea for the bass. Mike, let's try some guitar on this. I've got an idea for a background part here. Sure enough, within five or six hours, the record would be done. And we'd just sit back and go... How the F did you do that? We were used to being in the studio and like, okay, here's how the song goes. And everybody would just set up to play and just laboriously run the song into the ground. And it usually got worse and worse from trying to get the groove and the spirit and trying to get a performance out of five guys at once. This guy walked in and he knew exactly how to put the pieces together and he always had little tricks, like with the background vocals, how he would slide them in and layer them and little melodies here and there. Tom and I were soaking it up, pretty amazing, a very exciting time, like going to a musical college or something. You know, think about that. It's like, that's great. <laughs> well, and what's ironic is that at you know the last two albums that that Petty put out, you know what he went back to. They would they they set up the entire band in one room, and they recorded in this, live yeah. as a band. And so I mean he 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 went he went full cycle. He did, and that's I mean, but that's Tom. I mean, if 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 you listen to you know, and I still go back to what 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 he says is he is. Rock and roll and roll, <laughs> you know. And, and well, I mean, and, and and he said he thinks the and roll is very important. It's not rock; it's rock and roll, and that's it's it's that feel, you know. And so, like I said, you know, on that the uh, the musicians on on that, so they went back to that that core of you know Tom Petty with lead vocals and the twelve string. Acoustic, Mike's on the, uh, Mike Campbell's on the electric and the six-string acoustic. Uh, Jeff Lynn 
He's on the backing vocals, and Jeff played bass on that. And then Phil uh, Jones actually played drums. So The song gets up to number seven on the U.S. charts, and I believe this was the highest charting song that Tom Petty ever See, had. See, now that blows my mind. <laughs> so. Yep, I b- believe this is as high as he got was with free falling. Yep. So, you know, and and then during the song, so there's a lot of lyrics that come in there and he talks about the valley, which is um San Fernando Valley. Reseda, you know, yep. And uh Reci- living in Reseda, which is a neighborhood in the San Fernando Valley. He talks about the 101 Ventura Freeway. A freeway running through the yard, um, which is an exit for Reseda Boulevard. And then, uh, well, Ventura Boulevard, he talks about about Mulholland, which is a reference to Mulholland Drive, a road that follows the ridgeline of the eastern Santa Monica Mountains and the Hollywood Hills between, between the San Fernando Valley and Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, you know, so, it was a very, it was a very yeah, insider. And, song. I mean, what was, I think, cool for me was, uh, you know, it it was a solo, you know, pseudo uh, solo Tom Petty track. But if you listen to that, <clears throat> it's a still to me, it's a Florida boy talking about his new home <laughs> in California. It's a very California song. But it's still from an outsider's perspective. You know what I mean? So it's like, I mean, right. so that's why I think I appreciate that. And I I still love the whole vampire thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to play a cover for you. And as soon as the okay. vocal comes in, you'll know who it is. And then there's a story about that, too. But uh She's a good girl Loves her mama Loves Jesus And America too She's a good girl Crazy about Elvis Loves horses And a boyfriend too Well, it's not difficult But apparently Actually, I can't think of it so this this lady wanted to be part of the heartbreakers and she thought that she would she thought at one time she would leave her superstar band and join the heartbreakers yes and during this time tom appears on her album Mm -hmm. she appears on his they may they may have appeared in each other's bed we don't know <laughs> we don't. No. We don't know well, about. No, I that. mean, nobody's ever said anything. So, I mean, she's never said when she's been with me. She's never said. So, 
<laughs> but you know, Stevie did say that she really there was a period in her life where she figured yep, and, she was joining. And actually, her. you know, and we've probably seen the same things where you know Tom said if she wasn't a woman, she would have been in. <laughs> so I mean, well, I mean, and, and <laughs> I mean, well, that's which is. Which is terrible because Correct, he but I mean, he said, you know, he said, I, like, I could sell it if she wasn't a girl. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I oh, mean, she wow. would have been in. <laughs> so, this is this is the same <laughs> this is the same time period where the traveling Wilburys stuff was going on, and I I don't have enough slots in my uh, well, there's my enough. media player here. To, That's just so cool. Put, put that <laughs> so. stuff in. I mean, but, um, you know, to, to think that Bob Dylan, Jeff Lynn, Tom Petty, yeah. George <laughs> Harrison, let Jeff Lynn yeah. and Roy Orbison all actually yeah. in one put a place. band together. <laughs> and in what, yes. And it was sort of because, um, I don't know, they ended up going around to Tom Petty's house because. Somebody had a guitar stored there, and they're like, "Well, we got to go buy Tom's and get the guitar." And then George Harrison said, "Well, we're doing this thing," and uh, it turned into this supergroup. And I have to laugh because, okay, so the <laughs> the first um, Traveling Wilburys album is called Volume One, and then there were a bunch of. Um, um, pseudo albums that were supposed to be coming out, you know, Traveling Wilburys Volume 2. Anyway, so so the Wilburys come out with their second album and they call it Volume 3. <laughs> Just, and at that point, Roy Orbison had passed away. So, and the, the second, the second album, yeah, so the second album doesn't have, you know, Roy Orbison on it. And it didn't do as well, but the the first one is just a classic. And there was talk at a time about sure. trying to do a traveling Wilburys tour, which they didn't didn't actually get to do. But uh, yeah, but um, you know, it, I mean, it was a classic moment in time where you you look back and you think, look who you had in one band together, and playing good. Playing good music and right. writing songs so, together. Let me ask you. They were like, they were I'm not that familiar it. with uh, uh, the project, but so on the first album, those are all original collaborations. Yes. See, so yep. I mean, yep, yep. They sat yeah, so, down. I and mean, they think wrote, about that. Those There's songs no together. covers on that, or on on, on the whole Wilbury thing. So, I don't think so. Um, I think on the first one, I, I'm, I'm going to look right, this up now because I don't original. So yeah, see, so I mean, yeah, that was. I mean, I thought you know, and of course, at that time, I was probably that was uh, late '80s, right? So I was probably you know, not even you know, thirty yet, or a little bit. Uh, past thirty, but I thought, yeah, these are old guys reminiscing about their childhood. <laughs> but, uh, 
Well, the volume so one came out in 1988. <laughs> so we're almost right. we're we're talking so almost think about 30 that, years. But they were ago, still in their forties, you, you know, back then probably. Close. So. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, yeah, Petty late, would yeah, have been in his you're 30s. Right. So fifty, he was born in fifty. So yeah. But but Jeff Lynn and uh, you know George were in their fifties. <laughs> so. <laughs> so George George's name was Nelson really? Wilbury. Jeff Lynn's Jeff Lynn's name was Otis Wilbury. Roy Roy Orbison was Lefty Wilbury. <laughs> Tom uh, Tom Petty was Charlie T. Wilbury Jr. And Bob Dylan was Lucky Wilbury. Of course. <laughs> so, that was on vol that was on volume one. And then they actually they actually changed their names for the second album. Yes. So the se the second yeah. album, which is called Volume Three, was George that's Harrison. Right. So that's where Spike came Wilbury. from. I that I had known. Yep, and Jeff Lynn, Jeff Lynn was Clayton Wilbury, Tom Petty was Muddy Wilbury, and Bob Dylan was Boo Wilbury. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, you know, we still have trivia to do, man. <laughs> Why wouldn't we? <laughs> This is one of well, those shows where we just know, don't care. We're just going to yeah, go so, until we, we can't. <laughs> She's a good girl Loves her mama Loves Jesus in America too She's a good girl She's crazy about Elvis Loves horses And her boyfriend too And it's a long day Living in Reseda There's a freeway Running through the and I'm a bad boy Cause I don't even miss her It's time for some trivia the point of the show where I get to totally try to stump Mixter. I are. You ready? Yes. Okay, some Tom Petty trivia. He was. Tom Petty was born in Gainesville, Florida on October 20th, 1952. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> You're rubbing your hands for luck. Okay. <laughs> Go. Three of the other four members of the original lineup of the Heartbreakers were also born in Florida. Which member of the original 
lineup was not born in Florida. I'm going to give you four names. Tell me who was not born in Florida. Stan Lynch, Mike Campbell, Ron Blair, Ben Montench. Damn it. Uh, actually, uh, Ron Blair was born in really was born in Macon, Georgia. Well, <laughs> that's what I have here. Fine. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have we'll to proceed. trust me on this one. Okay. In what year did Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers release their self-titled <laughs> debut yep. album? I better. And you should know this from the show. 76. Okay. Cool. Yep, it was 76. Good for you. Okay, what was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' first U.S. top 10 hit? Not their US. first thing to chart, their first top 10. Okay, give me... Three. Yes. <laughs> U.S. No? Nope. <laughs> Don't do me like that. American Girl, Refugee, or Breakdown? Well, if I go back through my notes, I think it's American Girl. Is what? Dang it! American Girl never chose. So it was Don't Do Me Like That, huh? Crapper. It was Crapper. Don't Do Me Like That. That was the first one. Right in the crapper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Which of these Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers albums has the songs Mary's New Car, Dogs on the Run, and Don't Come Around Here I No More? It. Yep. Nope. Do you know the There's album or do you want me to just... Southern accent where I come from. Love that album. Yes. It is Southern Accents. You're right. But... That album is so schizophrenic, but, uh, I mean, There were, like, yeah, three different and, producers you know, on there. I think uh, Dave Stewart is predominant in that. And, uh, well, right. don't come around here no more, obviously, you know. But, I mean, he he put his mark on that album, but it's like... That album <laughs> Zero went from <laughs> yeah. here to there. And so... Uh, we can cut this out. We don't have time. But remember, I believe the story goes uh, after they uh, after Tom heard uh, "Don't Come Around Here No More." Remember, he slammed his hand. He was he was so happy with the track. He slammed his hand in the uh, re- recording booth. Uh, he he liked it so much, so he slammed his his fist against the wall, and he broke his hand. So they had to. Do, do you remember that? I I heard that I heard that I heard that happened because um well he he actually okay, was upset about well, something not he's because Tom, he was so happy he either about liked it or he didn't like it but remember he slammed his hand and so he broke his hand <laughs> oh yes no he he definitely did did smash yeah. his hand into a wall so, and did break right, his next. his hand yes he did do that well. I don't think it was let's, uh, happiness. Let's uh, look at Tom and happiness. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. Okay. So in 1986, they, so 1986, yes. they released the live what? album Pack Up the Plantation. 
And yes, and some of the songs on the album were also covered by different groups, particularly in the, in the, the 1960s. Which of these 60s groups did Tom Petty not cover a song by from this album? Okay, your choices are The Searchers, The Birds, The Animals, or The Monkeys. Uh, searchers. The, yes, yes. I'm, so, I'm sorry, what? You said The Searchers? So did I'm mine. sorry, my, the uh, searchers. <laughs> my headphones cut out. No, he did. He, he did. He did Dang not cover it. a well, monkeys song. To my benefit, I didn't hear the last. I didn't hear the monkeys. I heard. <laughs> so, but oh, that's, that's see? fine. That's you, fine. You should have. You should have waited, man. So, what Searcher's tune did he do? Okay, all right. Aha! <laughs> I actually don't know. Needles and needles and no, pins was that the, originally uh, a searchers? That was the box tops, right? Now, see, now what you're making me use my pin? computer. Well, actually, okay. So let's uh, let's put Jimbo on on the spot. Which eighties <clears throat> um, punk band covered needles and pins? Yes, love that. <laughs> that would be the Ramones. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, was and it yes, really? It, Dang it, it was the Searchers, by the way, that did need. Well, yeah, that did I, needles and pins. Yeah. No, I yeah, I have I love I have, that. I mean, I have the Ramones leave home and what, all that kind of stuff. Joey, but, love you. He does needles and pins up. <laughs> needles and pins up. Tour begins up. Yep, he was yep. great. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, which of these female artists Stevie. did Tom Petty have a huge hit single with in nineteen? 19- oh, in nineteen eighty-one. And yes, of course, it's Stevie Nicks. We're just, you know, I have to, I have to build up your. Confidence. I still want to know if if they made it. I really do. I mean, I I don't care who it comes from. <laughs> just. <laughs> So, of course, Full Moon Fever was a big hit in 1989. It had three U.S. top 40 hits. One song from the album did not make the top 40. Okay. So you have, to, you have to pick out the one that didn't. Okay, so the songs were I Won't Back Down, Running Down a Dream, A Face in the Crowd. I'm going to say Face in the Crowd. Or Free Fallen. Face in the crowd did not make did not make the uh, top forty. Yeah, the rest the rest are classics. So yeah. Okay, so in nineteen ninety four he had a big solo success with Wildflowers. One of the most beautiful songs he ever wrote was Wildflowers. Anyway, one of the songs that the album included was Honeybee. Which of these lines are included in the song Honeybee? Okay, first line. Broken skyline, moving through the airport. She's an honest defector, conscientious objector, now her own protector. <laughs> okay. That's the, the whole first line. 
Second, second one. Uh, well, I've had my eye on you, eye on you for a long, long time. I'm watching everything you do, baby. You're gonna be mine. That's line two. Line three. She give me her monkey hand and a rambler sedan. I'm the king of Milwaukee. Number four. You spend your life dreaming, running round in a trance. I'm going to say line one. Yes. Broken skyline? You know, I guess that too, but it's actually, uh, she give me her monkey hand and a rambler sedan. I'm the king of Milwaukee. Okay. I'm just gonna, saying. I'm still going to say one. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. We're getting to the end here. One of the songs on the Wildflowers album had only Tom Petty and Mike Campbell both playing acoustic guitar. And with Tom on vocals, of course. But uh, so just Tom and Mike. It's just acoustic. Here's your choices. To find a friend. Don't fade on me. Only a broken heart or a higher place. To find a friend, don't fade on me. Only a broken uh, heart, on me. a higher place. Wow. Don't fade on me. Is and I actually think I heard that song before. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you must have somewhere somewhere in your reptilian brain. That's. <laughs> I'm not as stupid as I look. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here we go. For all, all the, right. Final all final question. <laughs> okay. Which of these hits did Tom Petty and Bob Dylan write together? Hmm. Okay. So Tom Petty and Bob Dylan wrote a song together. No. <laughs> was it the waiting? Jamming me? No. Learning to fly? Hmm. Or you got lucky? I'm gonna have to say jamming me. Wow. Now, how did I know that? Did you? It is jamming. Did you tell me, me that? Stuff? I mean, hmm. Yeah, you. <laughs> you just. You probably heard I mean, it so, before in your life. You just know this. What stuff. is okay? So. You can cut this out. What is a song where he goes, you can keep your Eddie Murphy, you can keep your... No? Um, is oh, that, is, is that jamming me? See, I, I think it might be. So for some... Because he's picking on all these stars. You can keep your Eddie Murphy, you can keep your James Jones, you can stop jamming me. That You know what? I think that's it. Okay. Oh, oh, sure. There we go. Yep. That's I how, think you're, I think that's you're how I knew. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that's it. Really? So, so uh, Bob Dylan wrote that with him, huh? Hmm. Wow. Yep. Yes. The, uh, you're the jamming me. Yep. Cool. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a sad. It's a sad hey. episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh no! It's 
No, well, you know, it's like you, you, you hate to run out, but it's like, well, yes. Go to um, songsyoushouldknow.com. <laughs> Here come the plugs. Do, do, do. And, and, yeah. We don't make this stuff up. You can always go to Wikipedia, Song Facts. Yes. You got the and entire remember, internet. Yep. And it's, at uh, disposal. it's uh, Just Jimbo like at songsyoushouldknow.com and the mixter at songsyoushouldknow.com. And... Yes. <laughs> Either mixter with uh, M I C K or mixter with M I X. <laughs> Both will get to just like the IRS time. people, you will find me. Yes, <laughs> All right. It's Thank been you, a people. lovely time. We'll see you soon.